listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back again this week to the podcast. So happy that you're listening again. I really appreciate it. And today we have a big, big, not only a surprise, but a wonderful treat. I get to have my wife, Carolyn, on the podcast with us today. And uh, we're going to be doing this podcast, as you saw in the title, on three keys to a successful marriage. And These are three things from the Bible we're going to show you today uh, regarding the power of love. Love is too general of a subject, so we're going to talk about three things that love will uh, cause to happen in your life, or three actions that love will or should uh, make you take in a marriage relationship. Um, I know people that are in dating relationships can also uh, glean a lot of wisdom from this, and uh, Carolyn and I have now been married over 12 years and uh, it's been awesome. It's been wonderful. And it's something when you find somebody that God has set aside for your life, it makes all the difference in the world. No matter what you're called to do, marriage can make you or break you. I've seen both sides of it. I've seen some people that end up married uh, to the wrong person. And even though they have a call from God to do something for the kingdom, um, being married to the wrong person ultimately hindered them from doing what they're called to do, actually destroyed their ability to um, fulfill their call on their life. And uh, it's, it's, it's why you have to be led by the spirit. We want to start by uh, reading what will be a key passage. I believe for this podcast Um, it's found obviously first Corinthians chapter 13 It's an interesting chapter because Paul places it, of course, when Paul was writing the letter, there were no chapters, but he places this section of writing between the two sections of writing where he talks about the gifts of the spirit or the power of the gifts of the spirit and uh, calls this a more excellent way. In 1 Corinthians 12, 31, he said, let me show you a more excellent way. And obviously he was talking about love being the more excellent way. So I'm going to have Carolyn read uh, 1 Corinthians 13, and then we're going to jump into these three keys to a successful marriage. Go ahead, Carolyn. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become use, useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So Paul there giving us teaching on love, and obviously uh, we're going to be talking about the three things that we find. I believe that love will cause you, actions that love will cause you to take that will cause a successful relationship, successful marriage. Obviously, you know, Carol and I are not perfect. That's not not why we're doing the podcast. You know, every you have to work at any successful relationship. 
Um, you know, we've had our down times. You know, Carolyn many times has been physically abusive to me. I'm just going to say oh, that. Please. I'll say that publicly on the podcast. <laughs> She's beaten me many times, and I've just had to walk in love <laughs> towards her. Whatever. <laughs> but no, we don't. We're not perfect. But I believe that just these principles that you will uh, that you'll see in this podcast will help you greatly. You know, we have people that write in. Or talk to us in live meetings, you know, that are believing uh, either for their husbands to be saved, wives to be saved, or maybe they're just not following the Lord as closely as the other spouse, and uh, it causes friction in the home. Uh, I think it's interesting that, you know, we all talk about powerful men of God like Smith Wigglesworth. Well, he wasn't even the first one saved in his home. His wife got saved, and it was her actions of love towards him that brought him into the kingdom of God. I mean, he right. she came home saved and he put her out of the house. He literally threw her out the front door and locked her out of her own house. And then, you know, the next morning, you know, she had slept on the doorstep all night. And the next morning when he went out to get the paper, he uh, opened the door and she's still there. She came in the house with a loving and a sweet and a kind spirit, made him breakfast and just walked in love towards Smith. And he saw the change in her. He ended up, you know, getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and then we you know we read stories and books about him now and raised 14 people from the dead in his ministry that all happened because his wife walked in love toward him and showed him the power of Christ in that relationship so love according to Paul as we just uh, heard Carolyn read is the greatest of all things and obviously that's because the Bible tells us God is love and God is greater than anything so you know, Carolyn, we're going to talk about these three areas yeah. um, that, that, uh, in my opinion, will cause a hitch-free marriage, a trouble-free marriage. Um, and obviously, I'm talking about trouble caused by either person in the marriage, not that you won't have to use your faith to, uh, to conquer some things, but this will make sure that there's no stupid stuff that the enemy can use to destroy your relationship, which is ultimately what he wants. We... Um, we wrote some things down, but we I want to I want to talk to you about these things first. And Carolyn, this was in her spirit uh, first and most of all, uh, is the area of respect. And obviously, we're talking about mutual respect. That uh, love will always have you take actions to walk out in respect towards your husband or your wife. Love is always respectful uh, to the other. So one of the things after, you know, all these years of, you know, being married, when it comes to respect, it, it's not that everything comes so naturally in a good marriage. You know, everything you have to work at, uh, love is a choice. And just like when I was just reading here in uh, 1 Corinthians, the part where uh, in verse 4, love is patient and kind it is not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. It does not demand its own way. So there are times where you have to be selfless and put that aside. And because your husband is the head of the home, you respect him, his decisions, what he says. Um, in Colossians 3.13, I was reading where it says, Make allowances for each other's faults and forgives anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So if you guys have, you know, a battle or a fight, you know, there's one thing that when Ted preaches that I really appreciate and say it's not that we've never had any any arguments or anything like that over the th almost 13 years we've been married. But the one thing when he preaches is... Um, you know, you you work it out. You never go to bed angry, mad at each other. We've never once continued to fight to the next day. Regardless, 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 you put down your pride. You put down what you feel and you respect each other and you go, you apologize, you make it work out. Um, and, and if you have that true love, that respect, I believe, follows it. It, it it's almost like a partnership with each other if you have that pure love that the lord talks about you will you will have that respect for each other absolutely and you know that one of the things people have to remember too is that as you said love is a choice love is not a feeling love is a choice so 
I like what Paul said. Paul said that I'm a slave of Christ. If you're a slave of Christ, and we've dealt with this in previous podcasts, that means Christ bought you. He owns you, and he determines what your life will look like. So you don't have a choice. You know, the fruit of the Spirit are not a choice. That is the fruit of somebody who's living for God and obeying his word. They will walk in love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance, all these things are not choices uh, that we can, you know, decide, well, you know, I'm going to walk in love and joy, but not peace or patience. No, it doesn't work like that. We make the choice because of the fact Jesus owns us and he determines what our actions should be. So we mirror his actions. So when we talk about the fact of respect, respect is something, you know, in in our generation, one of the things I think that kills people is like, you know, I'll show respect to you when you show respect to me. You know, you have to give respect if you're going to get respect. That's not scriptural. The Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. Right. Give honor to whom honor is due. The scripture says that. Right. Not when you feel like it. Not when you feel like it. You know, I don't respect my teacher because they don't respect me. That doesn't matter. Give honor to whom honor is due. That's a command from scripture. And so we make the choice, even in times, that's what part of the reason you put your flesh under, as Paul taught in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, he said on a daily basis, I have to put my flesh under. You know, he talked about the fact that he always had an internal struggle, that he wanted to please the Lord and obey the word, but his flesh was always pulling him in another direction. When you come into a relationship, you know, you're going to have things you don't like or things about the other person that you, you get annoyed, you get angry, you get mad, you want to fight. And you have to get to the place where you put your flesh under and you say, you know what, as Carolyn just read from Colossians, I'm going to make room for the other person's faults. They're human. They are, uh, you know, they're going to make mistakes from time to time. I'll put, I'll make room for their faults and then I will make a choice to honor and respect them whether I feel like it or whether I don't feel like it because my flesh is not going to govern whether or not I have a successful marriage. One of the things that's sad is that the divorce rate in the church is approximately the same as the divorce rate of the unchurched or the unsaved, which shows you that people, many people, are not allowing their relationships to be spirit-led. They're allowing their relationships to be flesh-tainted. And as a result, they're coming to an end where they should never come to an end uh, because of that fact. And I really feel like, you know, society lately has really ruined how the look of marriage is supposed to be. Not many people are going to the Word of God to read the proper order. There is a proper order of how a household, how a marriage is supposed to look. Um, You know, I'll have people come to me that are having marriage problems, and and the, uh, the main thing is they haven't disconnected from their parents, and they're not respecting their husband, and it's becoming a downfall to their marriage. You know, this whole feminist movement that's out there is really giving the wrong idea of how women are supposed to be in the home. Everywhere you look, there's a shirt designed or written, you know, they're even doing it to young kids, and I refuse to even buy it for our girls, where stuff says girl power, girl this, power, girls are going to take over the world. Yes, you're supposed to be strong as a female. I get that. But when it comes to your marriage and it leaks into it and then you have that lack of respect, you know, it it will be the downfall of any relationship that's supposed to be built upon the word of God. He gave us this guide to do. That's absolutely right. And you think about it. I mean, the fact that Paul uh, likens the marriage relationship to Christ and the church He likens the husband to Christ and the wife to the church. We are the bride of Christ. You're never going to see the church rise up and overpower Christ. I mean, think about it. It's like, you know, church power. We don't need Jesus. We just need more church. No, we need Jesus. He's the head of the church. He's in control of the body. And the same is said for the husband and the wife. You're not going to overpower the husband. The husband, according to scripture, is the head of the wife. No question. The husband is the head of the wife. We're going to get into that in just a second, how a biblical picture uh, of that setup, that you know, that home governmental setup should look, uh, and God set it up for a reason, 
But it's so interesting that you get into this problem in the home where, you know, it's and, and the sad thing is we've got so many homes that are broken now. There's not even a husband in the home. You know, many, many uh, children are growing up with just a mother. Many, many are just a mother. Some, you know, uh, in rare cases, just a father. But God designed the the home uh, in a specific way to bring power to the children that are being raised up and so that they can be uh, developed sp- spiritually the proper way so that when they grow up, there's nothing lacking from their life. They need to see a proper father as a picture of, uh, that's why the devil hates fathers. I've preached this for many years. The devil hates fathers because he wants every believer to have a skewed view of a heavenly father. And he does that by giving them a skewed view of their earthly father. How can you trust a father you can't see when you can't trust a father you can see? You know, how can you love a father you can't see when you can't love a father you can see? So God uh, has put this in the home And every husband has a responsibility to be a godly father and a godly husband because, number one, it's a picture of what your heavenly father and what Christ uh, looks like to the family. And uh, we have to realize that we are role modeling Christ on the earth as husbands and fathers. And uh, respect is important. But notice that when we got into talking about love, and I'm going to have Carolyn read Ephesians chapter 5 in just a minute, where it talks about Uh, husbands loving their wives and wives submitting themselves to their husbands. You know, everybody loves to read that portion that just says, wives, submit yourself to your husband. Submit. You better submit. You better submit. And they talk about that all the time, but they never talk about how a husband should act in that relationship or his responsibility in that relationship. So I'm going to have Carolyn read uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 30, and then we're going to deal with uh, that aspect of it. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his, as his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. So you can see there, very interesting, that both husband and wife are given a command. Uh, Don't turn yet. I want to go back to those. I want to show you, yes, the Bible says, wives, submit yourselves to your husband. But see here, the husband has a responsibility not just to love his wife, because that's pretty ambiguous. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. So understand the kind of love that Paul's writing to the Ephesians about here is selfless love, that you put your wife ahead of you. You put your wife first. She's before you. Her desires come before your desires. Her wishes, her wants come before your own. That's the way you're loving her in a selfless way. You're giving yourself up for your wife. Doesn't mean that you know, you're know you being walked all over. It has nothing to do with that. You don't lose your authority in the home, none of that. What it means is that you're loving your wife in such a way that she always knows that you have her best interests at heart. She always knows and can tell that you have her best interests at heart. It is easy to submit yourself to somebody who has your best interests at heart, somebody who's always encouraging you, building you up. It's easy to submit to that. What it is not easy to submit to is a carnal husband, somebody who's putting himself first, his desires first, doing what he wants, no care about what you need, what you want. Understand that even though not every husband yet that's a Christian is operating in his portion of this uh, responsibility, that does not alleviate responsibility from the wife. You're still called to submit yourself to your husband and to be a picture of 
uh, of the love of God to him, no matter what level of spiritual maturity he's at. And uh, as you saw for the case of Smith Wigglesworth, as we said at the beginning, that could be the very thing that brings your husband into that spiritual uh, maturity or the place where he sees and understands his need uh, to fulfill his portion of the responsibility. So very interesting here that uh, the Bible's telling us Paul's writing to the church and saying that, yes, wives are to submit to their husbands, but husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church, a selfless love that gave himself up for the church. You're to give yourself for your wife and put her, uh, to put her needs and desires above your own. I'll even say when it comes to, you know, Carolyn's very good about this. She just understands the role in that marriage relationship that the husband is the head of the home and has, uh, you know, to hear from God to be the leader of that home. I'll tell you a perfect example is when God spoke to me to, to make the move. Remember yeah. in 2015, God spoke to me. I was at Carolyn was home. Um, I was driving from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to Rochester, New York um, to, to preach. And um, I had made up in my mind, I'm just going to, you know what? I'm just going to pray in, in the Holy Spirit this entire trip. Not going to listen to any uh, podcasts or audiobooks or preaching on YouTube or anything. I'm just going to pray in the Holy Ghost. It wasn't maybe 15 minutes into uh, that drive that I heard the Lord speak to me and tell me to it was time to make a move and that we were currently living in Virginia Beach, Virginia. He said it's 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 time to make a move and he told me specifically exactly where to move in prayer. Told me to move down uh, to this Fort Lauderdale area of Florida. Uh, told me what church to attend, which we're currently at Abundant Life Church. Um, and uh, I, I got excited. I mean, I got that instruction from the Lord. Well, Carolyn is originally from this area. And when she left here, you know, she said, you know, I'm never going back there again. I'll never go back uh, to that place. And, and she had no desire. I personally had no desire to ever live in Florida. I would always tell people I can't stand Florida. I don't like going down there. It's just not, it's not what I like. But then God spoke and gave me that instruction and uh, to, to lead us and guide us in our next step. Well, I immediately called Carolyn and told her what the Lord told me. You know, it was obviously overwhelming to you at first. Yes. And it was midnight. So good luck going to bed after that news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was late at night. I was pregnant with Teddy. Yeah, and 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 she had said, you know, that's I'm never going to move back there. Just you, you were, you didn't want to be back in this area. You'd always said that. Yeah, no, I, I once I left, I I had checked out of here. I was not coming back, and you know, that's just I had moved on. But obviously, when the Lord speaks a word, you know, and I had received the word in prayer, and even though it was it was against both of our desires at the time, you know, until we got the word. See, I I honestly believe that that scripture. Um, in the word of God where it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I don't believe that that necessarily means you desire things in your heart and then God gives them to you. I actually mean, I believe that it means that he actually will put the desires in your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He'll put desires that are according to his will and plan into your heart because that's exactly what happened to me. My heart changed. And uh, whatever uh, that I had in me that didn't care to be in Florida or didn't want to come to Florida, it immediately left. And God put a desire in my heart to come come here and do what he had asked me to do. Carolyn also, she she began to pray. What, how did yeah, it go for you? But see, well, at first, your, your flesh takes over. You know, I had my family there, my nephews, you know, our home church for 10 years, uh, you know, our home. You know, I said I'd never. My uncle go. and aunt were there. Yeah, all of our, our home family. church. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and like you know, you think what? Everything's good here. We've established a family, and here's a perfect example of where the word submit. See, like I said again, society will skew these words for you, and submit is not a bad word. When you hear that, wives submit, submit, it just means to yield. There's a proper order. I mean, he's given us the instructions on how to live our life in the word of God. And we, you obey them, and then 
it works out perfectly for you. And so with submission, that was the same thing. We had to yield to what the word of God spoke to Ted as the the head of our house. And I had to pray about it. And, and I remember the Lord, clear as day, said, Carolyn, you always pray this to me. You'll go where I want you to go. You'll say what I want you to say and do what I want you to do. You say, you always pray that to me. Here is your time to step out in faith and do what you say. You know, it's always easy to say something. It's the action that, you know, is, is going to be your fruit of what you say. Um, so that that's how that worked out. And I had complete peace about it once I got that instruction from the Lord. And it was very simple. It wasn't some grand spiritual thing he said to me. It was just a reminder of what I have always prayed to him. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things people need to realize, you know, um, is that, you know, when you're the husband and you're the wife um, in that relationship and people say, well, you know, wives have to just do whatever their husband said. I can't believe that that's the way God set it up. Well, you have to realize husbands have a responsibility to be spiritual and to actually hear uh, the instructions from the Holy Spirit and be led uh, by God in the relationship to lead the family well. So you realize that you don't just, it's not like you have some right to just do whatever you want. You have a responsibility to hear from the Lord. And here's the thing. If you don't hear from the Lord, or if you do hear from the Lord and disobey what he's told you to do, then the weight of the responsibility being on your shoulders, it is not your wife's fault if things are not going right or well in the marriage. It is your fault as a husband if things are not going well. The husband is the head of the home. Look at how the military operates. If there's something, you know, if something goes wrong, it's the leadership that is reprimanded. You know, if privates don't properly do their duty, I mean, they, they may be punished, but they look at, they look at who's, you know, they look at the drill sergeant. They look at the one who's over them and understand that he has an issue because proper leadership should have things together where they're working and functioning properly. The same is true in a, in a spiritual marriage relationship. If things aren't properly working, look at the head of the home. What's the issue with the head? Why is he not leading his family properly? In fact, if you look in the New Testament, you can't even be an elder in the church unless you first lead your own house well, the Bible says. If any man desires to be an elder or a bishop, the Bible says, he must lead his own house well first. The Bible says he has to have children that love and respect him. Here's if you don't again. <laughs> Yeah, and if you don't have that, the Bible says you're not worthy of being a leader in the church. Not a pastor, not a fivefold ministry gift, just an elder just an elder. He said, you don't have the right because if you can't lead your own house well, this is what Paul wrote, if you can't lead your own house well, how do you think you're going to lead the church properly? When I'm looking at people that are ministers having issues in their ministry, it almost never fails. We'll look at their children and their children don't even respect them. Oh, yeah. They do whatever they want. They're bratty, throw fits. Tell their parents off in public in front of people, speak back disrespectfully to your parents. And the first thing that always comes to my mind is, if you can't lead your house well, how can you lead God's house? So you, you begin to understand that the man it's the man's responsibility to set the tone in the home. It's the man's, it's the husband's responsibility to set the tone of love and authority and respect and if there's an issue, the issue's with the man. I can prove that to you scripturally. The Bible says that even the first man, Adam, God gave him Eve. They were the first couple, Adam and Eve. And Satan deceived Eve. She ate of the tree. But the Bible says Adam was not deceived and he ate knowingly. And the Bible tells us that sin entered into the earth, not because of Eve's decision to disobey or, or be, being deceived, but sin entered into the world through Adam, who was supposed to hold authority and in the Garden of Eden, and he did not do it. It was not Eve's fault that we're in a sinful state today. It's Adam's fault. And, and we have to understand that Adam had the authority in the Garden. He's the one that could have corrected the issue and brought everything back to normal, but it was his responsibility and he's the one who failed. He's the head. God set it up that way. And I, I, I feel that many times, and of course there are there are times where people go rogue and you know, let's just talk about that. I mean, there's times when when relationships fail 
and uh, you know pe- people just you know they may leave or they may do you know do something. But I always ask the question like, what was the husband doing all this time? Why did he not sense these things in his spirit uh, right. ahead of time? You know, why did he not sense that something was up? You know, why did he not sense that there was unhappiness or dissatisfaction in the marriage? How I, did he not sense that? I I think that also goes with communication mm-hmm. with each other. Totally. I mean, which is number two, by the way. We talked about being, love respects. Yeah. Number two, love communicates properly. Because you know, just living in the same household doesn't mean it's going to work out. You know, making good dinners and all that. You know, communication, praying together you know, reading the word together, uh, just simple communication too is key. Um, Absolutely. I mean, look at the way Christ and God loved his church or the body, even his children in the old Testament. God gave us an entire book of the Bible that is his communication to us, clear communication as to what he expects, what he wants, what makes him happy, what makes him sad, what makes him angry. And that clear communication gives us guidelines. If you're not properly communicating, see, love communicates the right way. Right. You know, a lot of, I believe, women, you know, and I've I've done it before, but I've worked on it and I've grown up, you know, like the Bible says, you grow up. <laughs> you put away childish things like we read at the beginning where you don't harbor in something. It, you know, you don't. I don't, you know, in your mind, and in the woman's mind, they're festering it. They're having a million conversations in their head, and the husband knows nothing about it because they're not communicating. They're communicating in their own head, and then all of a sudden, the guy does one thing, and the woman freaks out, and the husband's like a deer in headlights because he's like, what? And she had 10 other things that she felt was wrong in her life or her marriage, and she did not properly communicate it. My advice is as soon as something, you know, comes up, you need to pray about it. First of all, not everything needs to be handled, you know. I don't need to, if something bothers me that's happening, I don't need to go to TED every single time. I don't feel like I need to ask the Lord, like, Lord, is something I need to fix within myself? Do I, what, what do I need to work on? You know, we all need to work on stuff to make this, make this work together. You know, I'm supposed to be his, his helpmate. And that's, that's what I want to be. But if there is something that's really bothering me, you know, I go to him and, and we communicate about it. We talk about it. Uh, one, one of the things I had written down was the love of Christ is the catalyst for our own Christian communication with each other, with, with each other in our marriages. It is definitely a key thing, communication um, between each other to make things grow. You know, your marriage should be growing your entire life. It doesn't just stop. It's it's work, but good work. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely. Girl, you're better today than 12 years ago. <laughs> no, it's it's true that, you know, communication is key. You know, how can you expect? I feel closer to you than when yeah. we first started dating. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Well, the thing is, how do you expect that things, you know, how do you expect things to even be resolved? How do you expect things to even be handled if you won't? Uh, communicate it if you don't speak it nobody knows what's expected of them you know how do I even you know how does a husband even know that something he's doing is you know bothersome bothersome or or annoying his wife or hurting her feelings if she'll never she just sits there and is quiet about it and just like Carolyn said bottles it all up communication is key yeah because everyone grows up in different families they're doing things different ways you know they've seen their parents do things differently and you know the wife has seen her parent you can't come in it thinking like you know your husband's gonna do everything you saw your dad do and things like that you know you have to work with each other's faults and grow and find out what the other person likes and go from there yeah and the bible says now this is this is dealing even with the christian brother and sister relationship but I mean, obviously, your your wife is also your sister in Christ. If you're both married, the Bible says if you have anything against your brother, if you have anything against your sister, the first thing is to go to them personally, one on one, not to get offended about it, not to talk to other. Here's something, Carolyn, I cannot understand or believe is that people have issues in their marriage, and the first person they talk to about it is their friends. I I know or I don't Facebook. get it. It's so crazy. 
Like they imply it on Facebook, and then everyone knows who they're yeah. talking about. Yeah, don't go to your husband first. Don't go to your wife first. Go to Facebook post or, or call your girlfriends and like go out and have a girls' night and talk about how stupid your husbands are. Yeah, that is a quick road to divorce. Quick. That's a quick road to destroying a relationship that God's put together. And some of these friends aren't even on the same page like unfortunately there's christian people who don't have christian friends and or you know even if they are christians they're not on the same and they're not even going to give christian advice like biblical advice don't ever take relationship advice from someone who's not serving christ if you're a christian stupid yeah that's ridiculous people do it all the time their relationships aren't even being formed and constrained by god's word so like what do i care you know you know, you're, man, men are dogs. I tell you what, you need to just pack up your stuff, go stay with your mom because he just needs to get his act together. It's like, give me a break. Yeah, don't go to people who are going to make your feeler, your emotions. Don't go to people who are going to feed that part. Go to someone who's going to give you the raw truth of what the Bible says, regardless if you like it. There's the word submission again. Submit to it and work it out. Yeah, and not to mention the... Uh the, the Bible says that it's the older women in the church that are supposed to raise up and train up the younger women, the older women, those that have successfully done it, those that have been with their husbands for 50 years, those that have learned what it takes to have a successful relationship. These older women, according to scripture, are supposed to train up and, and set up the younger women for success. And uh, if you're going to talk to anybody, I would talk to somebody that's been successful and has stayed in Christ, that stayed with their husband, that's been doing it uh, for a number of years, knows what they're talking about. They're obviously not going to give you advice like, well, you know, your husband's a dog. You need to go to, I mean, they'll give you obviously because it's worked for them and they can give you the answers. So communication is key. One more, you know, Proverbs is. You know, Ted asked me the other day, we were on our way to church, and he said, you know, what's one of your favorite books of the Bible? And there's a couple, but one that I feel like you should read over and over again on a daily basis is Proverbs. And one of the things that I was reading stuck out to me in Proverbs 17, um, 14. Starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate. So stop before a dispute breaks out. It's that simple. So stop. You are in control of how a fight goes, of how something is said or done in uh, in your communication. It's like that Bob Hope video I love. Stop it! Bob you Newhart. Know, or Newhart. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever watch it on YouTube, it's like... When he was a psychiatrist a, yeah, on Saturday Night Live. And there's, I love it. It cracks me up every time because if people would just get that revelation, stop it! You know, a whole <laughs> bunch of things would be stopped before it even escalated and things get said, you know, that don't even ever need to be said because once it's said, it's hard to take it back. You are required to forgive. Just, you can you can stop things before it even goes too far. You know, one of the things I want to address here that think I think in our generation is so stupid, it is so stupid, is this whole thought process people have. And it's like, well, they need to love me for me. This is who I am. If they can't handle me, then they're not worthy of being my friend. People trying to get me to change who I am to be their friend. You know, people think like that. You know, like in this generation, people yeah. actually say that stupid stuff. Like, you know. If you, if you really love me, you would accept me for who I am. You wouldn't be trying to change my personality. You need to understand that as a Christian, you don't get to have a say over your personality. Well, I'm just, that's how I am. If I, if I think something, I say it. You know, if I'm angry about something, I'm going to let you know. You've got to obey the Bible. Your personality yeah. doesn't mean anything. Right. It means you, you, you have to come under the authority of Scripture. You're not supposed to be somebody that's blowing up on people all the time. You're supposed to be a person of love, joy, and peace, and patience. And the Bible tells us that we make room for one another's faults. So the first time somebody ticks you off, you're not supposed to blow up on that person. And then when they get mad that you did, well, you got to accept me for who I am. That's just who I am. I, 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 if I got something, I'll let you know. No, obey the Bible. God doesn't care about your opinion. God doesn't care about what carnal personality you've developed. He wants you to obey his word. And if people would get that in their spirit, you don't just to get to do whatever you feel like doing or say whatever you feel like saying. You have to adhere 
to the to the guidelines of the New Testament scripture right. as a believer. Don't go around telling people how you people always want to change me. Yes, God does want you to change. Right. God does Find want you to from change. Him what needs to be changed. Stop telling people that or asking people what do you, what do they think. Ask God. Talk, and read talk his word. Most people don't you. read the Bible. Read the scripture on a daily basis. It is the guideline for Christian living. That's Number three. The, num- the third thing is gives. love gives. Yeah. Love gives. It is, you know, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Yeah. Think about that. You can give without that loving. When you had told me that, you know, we're going to go on these three things. And from the beginning of time, God, God has been giving. God mm-hmm. gave, gave, gave. You know, the world, his son, Jesus gave, gave, gave. And I mean, it's it's built. Love is built upon giving. You think about the fact that the Bible says if he gave, God, the word of God says that if he gave us his own son, how much more will he not give us, freely give us all things? Yeah. You know, God his love caused him to give. It's as I said before, this is so important to get. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Giving is right. something uh you know, anything someone loves, they'll give to. They'll give their time to it, they'll give their attention to it, they'll give their finances to it. You look at somebody that just like, you know, loves some natural thing. Somebody that loves fishing, for example. I just love to fish. They will, they will give their time to fishing. They'll give their attention. They may watch fishing shows on television. They'll go give their money. They'll buy bass boats. They'll buy you know new yeah. rods and reels. They'll spend time going on vacations to fish. Uh, they might go out and get a guide to take them somewhere they've never fished before. Anything someone loves, they will give to. Yeah. They will give to. And you can tell the people who truly love the Lord, who truly love his word and the fruit that comes out of it. Yeah, they give to it. And and when you love in a relationship, you are you are just like God, you're just like Christ. You Christ and that's why going back to uh, Ephesians, the Bible says that Christ gave himself for the church, and the husband who loves his wife should give himself for his wife, meaning your time should be given. Your attention should be given. Your uh, you know, gift giving, giving your wife gifts. You know, you should not, husbands, I'll say it, I'll just say it plainly. You should not just be showing your wife attention and time when you're looking to have sex with her. Ouch. Skin. (laughs) (laughs) And you think, well, brother, that doesn't, let me tell you something. It happens. Guys do their own thing. They're caught up in their own world. They're watching sports. They're doing it until they want to have sex. And then, you know, like wives don't know. Wow, he's just like so into me today. No, (laughs) (laughs) they know what's going on. If you truly love your wife, you should spend time with your wife. You should um, you should give your attention to your wife. You should give gifts to your wife. You know, it's important. You know, if if you if you love your wife, you know, gift giving is one of the ways. If you've ever read the book uh, about the five love languages, Gift giving and gift receiving is one of the main ways that people receive love or show love uh, to each other. And, uh, you know, what does it say about your your love for your wife if you're always out spending money, buying stuff for yourself, going to do things for yourself? You know, it, it's I could get into some things I've seen that are just insane. Uh, you know, guys have, and there's nothing wrong, you know, with guys having things or whatever. You know, guys, will they'll go crazy spending tons of money, uh, you know, to build out their own man cave and have this, you know, thing that's all for them to get away, to from, get their away from their wives. <laughs> they don't, they don't spend money on their wives. They won't buy their wife nice gifts. You know, they won't, they won't bless their wife, take her to, you know, do nice things, you know, even doing things you don't care to do. You know, I was going to do something for my wife recently that I had zero desire to do, but we just missed the time uh, the the window on it, but there was there was some show that she wanted to see on Broadway that I had zero desire to see, <laughs> absolutely zero desire. But you know, I had planned uh, to to get us plane tickets to go to New York to go to Broadway to take her to the show, and then we looked online to do it, and it, 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 the show had left Broadway. So it's the thought that counts, baby man. I don't know. And, I think it's you should have jumped on it faster. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Just kidding. This whole podcast is going downhill fast. And no. ever since then, our marriage has been, been on a the rocks. It's been a mess. <laughs> 
She's just verbally and physically abused me from that point. It's been so bad. I sent him to get a massage on Mother's Day. <laughs> I have been in solitary confinement on bread and water. <laughs> but, but, but in all honesty, you know, you do things. You know, there's show, she'll watch stuff with me just because she knows I like it. She doesn't care about it, but she knows that I enjoy it. You know, so... Um, like the notebook. No. <laughs> so, but Carolyn, you know, we make, here's the thing. Let me just say this, uh, talking about giving your time and your attention. And Carolyn can weigh in on this as well. We're coming to a close on the podcast. But um, once you start having children, this is so big. Once you start having children, you have got to make sure that you still set aside time for each other. This is why people have an issue reconnecting with each other when when their children leave the home because they've spent all their time and attention just on their children for all those years. And when the children leave the home, they don't even know how they have to relearn how to enter back into a relationship with each other because they've neglected each other for all the years their children were growing up to put all their time and attention into their children. They stopped dating each other. They stopped loving on each other. They stopped spending time with each other. All of that quit when kids came. Put each other first anymore. Yeah, their kids be, became it. You know, my kid needs me. I've got to do this. I, I, you know, bedtime. You know, they want to sleep with us. You know, you never give time to each other anymore. You never date each other anymore. And a lot of families put their children before they put their wife or husband. Um, first anymore and that's very destructive I personally don't agree with it I don't think you should I mean I I know there's a lot of people probably listen to this podcast like no your kids come first I don't think your kids do come first what now why when you have kids would all of a sudden the 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 person that's supposed to be the leader the head take a side burner back I mean what that doesn't make any sense and it destroys marriages it destroys marriages completely. Sure. We've seen it on a firsthand basis that people start having Still kids. Still coming to us, yeah. And, and and their husband went from being the love of their life to a nobody because yeah. the kids come first. I, I just, I can't, I can't leave them with anybody. I'm just too nervous. Or you know, it's like get your mom or a babysitter from the church and go out on a date. You have to do it. Your kid is going to be fine. They didn't come out as like a glass doll. Yeah, <laughs> they're not gonna break. Your life's gonna be okay. If they swallow a matchbox car, they'll poop it out. <laughs> Don't worry about it. No, I mean, think about this. But I mean, you do. You have to. You have to make time for each other. You we know? put the kids to bed, you know, and then we. we yeah, when we're, our time is at, when together we're on at night. the road, we're on revival time. When we come home, we change it up a little bit, and we do make them go to bed at a certain time. You know, a lot of people ask me how do how do you do this with kids, but. You know, and one thing I always tell them is we put them to bed at a certain time when we come home so Ted and I can have time together. That's right. You have to make time for each other. You have to. I love my children with my entire heart. I love, love, love being a mom. But they do not come first in my life before Ted at all. I know that's going to freak people out to hear that. Yeah. Because the people don't think like that. No. You know, our kids are first. Our kids. I just had someone who's having marital problems come to me. And <laughs> one of the things is she puts her, her uh, kids first. And, you know, it's like uh, you're, you're actually admitting this to me. And I'm actually telling you that's not biblically correct. And that is going to be a continual downfall of your marriage if you see it as your your kids come before your husband. Yeah, it's not the case. Especially in a crisis time. Yeah, kids do not come first. That I know that freaks people out, but I, t- I brought them into this world. I'll take them out of this world. No, but in, in all... In I all, get it. I nursed all my kids. I understand that whole our process. Our kids are blessed. You can bless your kids and and they'll be great without put you know yeah. doing it at the at the expense of uh, throwing your spouse to the side. And, and Ted will tell them, you know, I'm taking your mom out. I need to be with her. Or you guys are going to bed. I'm going to, you know, mommy and I are going to watch a movie. We want time together. You know, they, they know. They know that we put each other first. And 
and they do come second, but they don't feel the lack of love in that at mm-hmm. all. I know people think, oh my gosh, you tell them that, but <laughs> believe me, we are very, very lovey on our kids. Absolutely. Which is why they want to be around us so much. You know, they're not trying to get away and go into some dark room by themselves with an iPad. They they yeah. want all the time. They're wanting to be around us. Sure. The and, proper- and it's because we're lovey with them like yeah. that. But at, there comes a time. You know, you guys need to go to bed. You need to go do something. And mommy and I are spending time together, bottom line. There's times we'll go away. You know, we leave our, it's important. We'll leave our kids with, you know, grandma and grandpa, you know, gammy, granddad, whoever. And just mommy and daddy are going away. Yeah. You know, by ourselves. And yeah, they want to go and we enjoy being with them. But you have to set that time apart to continue dating. So like Ted said, when they are older and they they move on and do, you know, the call of God on their life, that it's we're not looking at each other and like, who who are you again? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So the bottom line is, number one, respecting each other no matter what. Number two, communicating with each other properly and in love, not screaming your, you know, in anger, the things you want them to hear. No, in love, speaking the truth in love, communicating with love. And then finally, giving, giving your time, giving your attention, giving gifts to the one you love. Yeah. These three things. I mean, you should be in our nature. You're mirroring uh, Christ's actions toward the church you're mirroring God's actions towards the world by doing these three things and as a result it brings success and sets a foundation of love in your marriage and in your relationships that that will it's a seed of success it brings a harvest of success the seed of love brings a harvest of success in your relationships so I want to pray for every one of you today before we close the the podcast and uh, ask God to uh, supernaturally strengthen you to, to step out and begin to do these things, even when you don't feel like it. I know you have to get over your flesh. It may, it may become hard depending on how people are acting towards you, but you've got to, we've got to obey the word of God to see success in our relationships. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you that your word declares that you have had the love of God that you have shed abroad in every one of our hearts. Let us now take actions to walk in love, to be communicators, to be respectful, to be givers to the ones we love in the mighty name of Jesus. Use us, let our relationships flourish and to be seen by all as successful because of the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, we love you guys and uh, we'll be back again next week on the podcast. Kids are calling, gotta go. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) God bless you guys. We'll see you later. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com.